0: So excited to be here. Welcome to Smart Citizen. This is our very first interview with Matthias Paul Telkamp. Paul, tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're running for school board.
1: Yeah, so I I saw a gap in the current way that the school systems are functioning. And with three kids in three different schools, the information was not always accessible at all the schools and information was often on paper and easily misplaced. And being a single father, I found it difficult that the school, um, to get the school to contact me after my ex-wife passed away. Uh, Once my daughter had to wait in the uh, nurse's office for two hours uh, when she was very sick and uh, they never reached out to me. Uh, it, It was very frustrating. And it has been uh, just as difficult to add others who have offered uh, to help me as I've had to deal with each individual in administration at each school. And I knew that there had to be a better way, uh, more progressive and more streamlined way, and wanted to advocate for my kids and other families that may be dealing with the same issues.
0: What kind of solution would you be thinking of or advocating for if you were on the school board? Can you give an idea of, do you have some solutions in mind that would be helpful?
1: I mean, some of the solutions would really just come down to uh, the computer systems that they're using, uh, because right now they default to whoever the mother is, is who they call. And there should be an option to select the primary parent to call especially when you start looking at, uh, you know, all the blended families and families that aren't necessarily the mainstream, you know, you've got the LGBT community that may have kids and they may not know who to put in which spot we should be able to uh, allow for multiple people to be added for a family and the family should be able to make the choice on who that primary uh, contact is.
0: That makes sense, because I could imagine you could also have a scenario where it might be a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or, you know, another family member or a primary caregiver. I mean, I have family members that have done foster care. I'm sure that could get really convoluted within the school system if it's not managed really carefully. So that makes a lot of sense. So not necessarily overhauling the systems that are there now, but more changing the options.
1: Yes. Okay. And and really trying to make it easier for parents. I mean, one of the biggest complaints that I've seen, even today, they had a class link that went down across Virginia Beach. And there were multiple people that were uh, getting texts and emails. I I got two texts. I got three emails. I got uh, a message on Reminds. I mean, the, the number of ways that they use to communicate with me is just over the top. Like, I, I understand that you want to get the communication out there. That doesn't mean that you need to inundate someone who's trying to work. And it's it's really kind of a notice, not necessarily an emergency.
0: Even just being that all of your kids, I would assume are in the same school, district, right? Even being able to share systems within a district would make sense, right? Since most likely a lot of those kids will move up consecutively within that same district. So you'd think if you had a kind of a centralized system, that might make a lot of sense. Is that kind of along the lines of what you're thinking? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just thinking out loud.
1: I want to make it where, you know, if I register my kids and they're in uh, one school, then all the information is together but when they are at multiple schools and you know for me it's three kids in three schools but there are there's potential that you know you have seven kids and they could be in five or six different schools because mm-hmm. of elementary middle school and high school and the crossing of those uh, you know academies and the middle schools and special uh, elementaries and it really does speak to the fact that you know we need to have a way for parents to say this is my contact information i'm going to put it in once and it's the same thing at every school in the entire district
0: i think this is a good segue into something that you and i talked about a little bit offline and i mentioned that i would love to highlight on you know this uh show which is even getting into what is the school board? What do they do? What's the importance of it? And why should people be mindful of who they vote for? One thing that I think is really interesting about the way that voting is done, at least in Virginia Beach, is that with city council and school board, no matter where you live, you can vote for the, you know, school board members for the whole city, Uh, which is interesting. It could probably be a whole nother conversation in and of itself about whether or not it should be that way or the pros and cons of that system. But that said, you know, no matter where I live, I can potentially influence the whole system. And so uh, it does seem to be very important, and you know, the decisions that are being made now with the school board are things that are going to affect kids down the road. You know, it's not just for this current school board term. It's like any government position. you know, you're dealing with huge budgets and other things that are going to have lasting effects. So even if I don't have kids in the school system right now or my kids are too small, it still would be something that I think would be worth knowing about looking into investing in, in terms of uh, just being aware as a voter. So why do you think it's important to, you know, what, I mean, you mentioned why you're running for the school board, but why do you think the school board is important? And why do you think people should be informed about who they're voting for?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the school board is important because we represent students, parents, and teachers. Uh, We are a liaison between all of them and the school administration. And we can review concerns and issues and address them by putting uh, new and better policies in place mm. such, such as the equity policy and when choosing a candidate uh, people should consider what they bring to the table look at their profiles look at their voting history their social media where their funding is coming from and what organizations support them and they should be willing to ask tough questions and expect an answer uh, too many times i see politicians who just refuse to give a position and they just seem to make everybody happy instead of being instead of you know a person who's willing to be real and stand for something
0: that makes a lot of sense and So this leads to another question that I had that I thought was a really interesting thing I noticed from your social media. So, you know, in Virginia Beach, school council and school board are all listed on the ballot as nonpartisan seats, uh, which is partially why I started doing Smart Citizen, because you can't necessarily party line vote, you know, down the ballot on those seats. And I personally don't always think it's necessarily a good idea just to party line vote. I mean, I think it's important to research people and understand where they're coming from no matter what party they're in, but yeah. it can be helpful if you don't have the time or, you know, uh, ability to do a lot of research. Sometimes those can be helpful guidelines, right? So they're all listed as nonpartisan, but I noticed, you know, you're running an openly democratic campaign and you were posting some things to that effect with different members of the school board and things like that. So how do you think having that party affi- affiliation affects these local offices or people's ability to be involved or understand where people are coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a double edged sword. Uh, the seats may be nonpartisan, but the candidates definitely are. Right. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> <it's important laughs> who is to let it people know somewhere? who I am and what I stand for. Right. Uh, I mean, too often we, we hear people say what they uh, they don't know which candidate shares their values. Uh, and most people do have a preference of party. Uh, And I don't think the races need to become partisan uh, as that would limit the number of candidates, but I do think that it works for me uh, to run on that uh, partisan uh, piece. Now, I have definitely received a lot of flack and uh, negative feedback because I'm running as a Democrat, but it it is not something that uh, really irks me, so.
0: What I understand what you're saying is, you know, for you, it kind of helps create clarity around your platform. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So coming from your IT background, I know we touched on this a little bit already with um, some of the frustrations that you experienced that led you to even being on running for school board to begin with, but You highlighted the importance of staying relevant was a phrase that you used in some of your campaign ads. And I'd be curious to know what that means to you and how you would apply that if you were on the school board.
1: Yeah, I I would challenge the planning process and ask for tangible and specific goals and timelines. Uh, We only meet once a month uh, or twice a month. And I have uh, often heard the school board discuss a topic and accept the status quo without exploring Uh, possible improvements or changes Uh, an issue would just be postponed until a a later date or with no specific follow-up and we would be getting uh, we should be getting we should be willing to ask questions that dig deeper into question into subjects and make sure that we are providing the best possible path forward
0: would you look to implement something like a scrum system or something like that, where you're actually like progressively moving things along. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like sprints or that kind of mindset, or just thinking more in terms of being willing to dig into the issues? Like how proactive are you thinking?
1: So I don't think we need to have like a scrum session. That would be very awkward to go with people that have no clue what that is. (laughs) But at the same time, uh, yeah, I think we need to be asking the tough questions and we need to be willing to Uh, ask for the school administration to provide better clarity and better answers because we're seeing where they're not uh, providing that information now you're you know it's like a a whole bunch of words fall out of their mouth but they didn't actually say anything they didn't commit to anything and we don't know uh, where they're kind of going with that
0: well and there's a significant amount of data available now generally in the world and I would imagine in a school system the size of Virginia Beach that there would be a tremendous amount of data available. Do you know what the school board is doing now to utilize data or data analytics and the decision-making process, making processes they have now and would you change any of that if you were in office?
1: Um, so right now I think that they're using some information and they they do provide some charts and stuff but it's like simple bar charts and simple line graphs okay i don't think that they're actually uh, using data analytics and i think that something else we should be looking at is uh ai as an investment we have an opportunity to drastically reduce workload uh when we offload processes with automation and data science will help with create associations with the data that would not be otherwise connected. Um, And as an example of how AI can help, we currently are dealing with a shortage of school counselors, uh, but that that workload is not reduced. And AI can currently do the same process 140 times to every one time a human can complete that action. It's especially useful when you're processing the same information over and over and it removes a lot of the redundancy.
0: So can you dig into that example a little bit deeper? Cause I feel like when you say AI and school counselor in the same context, people think my kid's going to be talking to a robot and that's, I'm assuming that's not what you mean. So can you dig into what that actually looks like a little bit more for me?
1: Yeah. So the, the problem with, uh, what the school counselor is doing is they're getting stacks and stacks of paperwork. If you go into their office and you actually sit in the counselor's office, you can see stacks of paper all around their office. And what we can do is we can take the relevant pieces of information that they need and bring that to uh, uh, basically a highlight. Here's a one page document that you can look at and put it on a computer screen instead of having to have it printed off. Um, When students are filling out their class schedule, the majority of those students aren't necessarily needing to have active review. You know, science, math, English, that's, that's all good. It's the classes where, you know, they're trying to say, well, we only have this number of students that can do this, and we only have this number of students that can be in this class, and so when they're trying to balance all those different classes, do you really need their entire school schedule? Um, Do you really need to have all the paperwork they filled out to make their selections? It probably helps to just get them the information that they need and a teacher doesn't necessarily have to review all that information and input that data uh, input It makes it a lot simpler when the data is just being processed by a computer system and the person that is reading it and needs to have the available information is able to get just the specific pieces that they need without inundating them with so much extra uh, information
0: do we have systems in place now that would allow for implementing some of that? Or would that be a pretty big budgetary allocation or investment, as you said, to start implementing some of those things?
1: I mean, I know that they're currently using uh, Office 365 at the Virginia Beach School District. Um, I also, you know, being a a professional developer and stuff, there's lots of free uh, software. There's lots of free... Uh, AI tools out there uh, to help build this. Uh, I think that we need to make some investment in terms of uh, IT resources within the schools. Um, But I think that it's something that we could take current uh, local graduates from the colleges and hire them because they're already learning some of this data science. They're already learning some of this AI. And we could use that to really ramp up what we can do here in the school district uh, across every school
0: that's an interesting thing too i know uh maybe a year or so ago i was at a panel that was related to i was not on a panel but i was listening to a panel related to education and they had quite a few different people from consultants to teachers across grade levels and one of the things that was consistently referenced was this idea of brain drain here in Hampton Road. So, we have a lot of really bright young people that come up through our school system, and then a lot of them either go to college somewhere else and never come back, or go to college here and get a job somewhere else. And trying to intentionally strategize around, you know, how do you create compelling jobs here for those people? And put it culture and all kinds of other things in place. uh, But working that into the process all the way along. So it's not just they're graduating from high school and then we're like, how do we keep them here? But actually creating those pathways from the beginning and uh, what you just mentioned about, you know, creating jobs within the school system for people that are graduating from our colleges uh, brought that back top of mind. So are there any other ways that you can think of that we can enhance or, uh, things we can do, changes we can make proactively within the school system that we have now, to help create those opportunities, even for graduating high school students that may not want to go to college, or you know, new grads, or even people that went to college out of state and want to come back. Um, yeah. How do you see some of those opportunities tying in, you know, with some of the things you've talked about?
1: So, some of the the biggest programs that uh, I have an affinity for uh, in the school district are around the uh, ATC, which is the Advanced Technology Center, and around uh, the Kimsville Entrepreneurial and Business Academy. Uh, you're, you're talking about uh, the ATC where kids are getting all of their uh, certificates, all their uh, information that they need to walk out the door and have a job and not have to go through college to get a decent pay on that Mm. there's opportunities there and then that helps to uh, broaden the base of the technology uh, professionals in this area they've got lots of different stuff you know as far as if you want to be a server administration or if you want to be web design or graphics design any of those different topics and then from the eba you know the We need to get people to where they're really excited about it because the Entrepreneurial Business Academy has uh, a lot of ways of teaching students how to start their own business and their own company. Mm. And if we can get more and more companies that are coming out of our high schools, they're going to be hiring locally. They're going to be sourcing work from other people that are in this area. Mm. And it's a a huge gain if we can really get people to understand that, yes, college is an option. It's not the only option. And there are some things that you may want to uh, consider doing that may not be something you actually thought about the first time.
0: Mm. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. Something that I've really been struck by living here was seeing all of these academies and all these different opportunities that are available in the Virginia Beach School System that are really amazing. I know, you know, there's things related to the arts. I believe there's a cosmetology program and, um, or at least there was at one point, I I think, is there, correct me if I'm wrong, is there a legal uh, academy as well? What are, do you know offhand what the different academies are and what they focus on? So, Giving you a test.
1: The EBA. Then you've got Tallwood, which is the Global Studies World Language Academy, where they teach up to, I think, 10 languages in the school. Um, You've got the uh, First Colonial, which has the uh, legal uh, academy. Bayside has the medical academy, uh, where these kids are going and working at the uh, hospital down the street. And uh, you know, going through all all the different Brigamore uh, there, you've got the uh, Ocean Lakes, which has the um, Math Science uh, Academy, um, another amazing program. Um, Lansdowne has the uh, they they were calling it STEM, I think it's now called STEAM because they've added in uh, additional uh area of study Uh, but you know you can graduate. when i went through and we did the uh walkthrough on that uh, students were able to uh, build robots and build computers and uh doing engineering projects i mean it, it really is a uh amazing thing. Um, And then, you know, touching on the cosmetology cosmetology piece, there's, there is one school that's kind of attached to uh, the uh, Kellum High School. And it's not inside Kellum, but it's attached to the the school. And uh, they have multiple trades. So you can do automotive, you could do uh, AC repair. I mean, HVAC, HVAC. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of options out there for what, uh, they provide.
0: That's excellent. I think it's a powerful thing that our school system provides and makes room for, because I think we're seeing more and more that, you know, college really isn't always the best Choice, at least not as an immediate step after high school for everyone. You know, I think yeah. that we're starting to see how powerful some of these other options can be. And uh, that panel that I referenced, uh, those vocational schools and opportunities were a big part of that and trying to sort of rebrand them in a sense. Cause I think some of the vocational trades, uh, especially in the push towards college, you know, maybe 20 years ago, some of the vocational trades were. Um, kind of given a bad rep to some degree. And so I think there's a bit of rebranding going on to try to highlight how amazing some of those careers can be. I mean, I have friends that are uh, becoming master tradesmen that make significantly yeah. more money than some of my friends that have master's degrees, you know? And so they can be really great careers for people that, you know, that might just be the right fit for them. So I love that our school yes. district has some of those opportunities available. Um, with the tech academy specifically, how does so you mentioned the one uh, that is entrepreneurial related and then will you tell me again the name of the one that's tech related the first one you were talking about
1: so that the the tech one is lancetown and that's the science math uh technology uh,
0: i believe it's art right so science, no, technology, art. engineering art and math or no
1: no uh art is over at salem uh which is one that <laughs> okay. i I missed, uh, but the the one at Salem is the uh, performing arts. So they do actual art, but they actually do uh, chorus and music and um, lots of other like theater, uh, stuff like that. And then there's also the governor's school. So anyone that's in any of the uh, schools uh, can also attend, uh, governor's school, which is an additional, uh, program that, uh, you, tr- you get bused over to Norfolk and, uh, someone that, uh, I, that everybody may know that's gone through there is like Grant Gustin, who's, uh, plays the flash on, uh, Arrowverse.
0: He went to the performing arts school.
1: So no, he went to uh, the governor's school.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. So, and this is probably going to sound like a nerdy question, but uh, I like to get a little bit nerdy sometimes. Do you know how, uh, you know, the budget is allocated in terms of like, are the governor schools paid for on a state level? And then the schools in our area budgets are allocated on a, district basis or a city basis. Do you know how that's broken down at all?
1: So the governor's school is tied to all schools in the entire Hampton Roads area. And therefore it is something that is paid for by the state. Um, Okay. But the students aren't necessarily uh, only going to the governor's school. They're going to their home school for the first two or three classes. Then they go to the governor's school for the last half of the day.
0: It's like auxiliary training, right? Yeah. It's additional because they're not doing any core classes like math or exactly English or things like that there. Yeah.
1: so right. the, Someone can go to the governor's school and they could be going to, say, Princess Anne High School. And when they graduate, they graduate with a uh, high school diploma that says Princess Anne High School. And then they'll have a governor's school uh, diploma also.
0: If you're looking at, you know, being on the school board, Virginia Beach is a very large district. I think I read we have 87 schools. Is that correct?
1: So there's uh, 70 schools, but there's 87 buildings.
0: Oh, okay. Why is the, why the difference?
1: Uh, maintenance buildings, school administration buildings. Okay.
0: Well, and I know there's a few different schools under construction or that have been recently built or things like that. So I wasn't sure if that was included in there. And they
1: also have a a lot of uh, schools that are no longer open, um, which they've used for uh, administration uh, tasks.
0: Okay. so looking at that massive number of schools and then obviously people are doing a variety of interesting school solutions with. You know the various COVID um, phased back structure. I have a lot of friends who have kids of all different ages, and you know all kinds of different solutions are happening depending on if you know, like yourself, being a single dad. I'm sure you have to work. You have to have a solution for your kids. You know, I'm. There's all kinds of different situations playing into that. So I know that there's been you know more recent conversation on a federal level about school vouchers or school choice? Do you have a position on something like that, especially with all of the disruption that COVID has caused to the schools?
1: So my position is that if you want a public education, then you get the public education. And if you want to take your child and put them in private school, that is your private choice and your private funds, but it's not school funds.
0: Okay. What about for people, I'm not advocating a certain position just to play devil's advocate out of curiosity. So what about people who are basically having to school their kids at home anyway, given some of the different restrictions? Are they, you know, like if they ended up just choosing to homeschool, say, uh, and not send their kids back to school in the fall, maybe their kid has a medical condition that causes them to be more concerned about COVID or whatever the case may be. Um, do you think there's an exception in that type of case?
1: No, I think the thing that we have to be aware of is that even though the students may not be going back into the school, the teachers are are still working and the classes are still happening. If a parent doesn't feel that they are getting adequate uh, education, that's something that we should be addressing as a school district. But if a parent feels that they need to take their child out of school, because they want to homeschool them, they have the right to do that. And they just have to unenroll them. But that doesn't mean that the school should be then passing money back to that family because that takes away from the uh, entirety of what the school is there for.
0: Even if they're changing, like if this class size changes, it doesn't necessarily equal out to mean that you know just because one kid is out doesn't mean that the money allocated for that particular kid isn't needed in some way is that right what you're saying okay yeah. just trying to make sure that i'm following yeah okay
1: but just because you take a student out doesn't mean that the teacher stops working it doesn't mean that the uh, staff at the front of the school stops working it doesn't mean that the bus driver stops working yeah. right we've got all these other people and just to say you know we're going to give school choice yeah that's fine if you want to talk about just taking your child out of the system, but we still have employees that we have to still pay for. And we don't want to start a run. It's basically like a run on the bank, you know, because we would end up losing our public education Mm -hmm. by having all these people choose to take their uh, kids out of school and try and take that money. And it's just not something that's sustainable in a long-term uh, fashion. And it only benefits very specific groups where you already have money.
0: Okay. So like the families that would potentially be in a position to homeschool versus families that would need to have their kids in school because maybe both parents are working or that type of thing. Right. And would it change the dynamic for those families though? If it's, if everyone, because people aren't paying equal amounts into, in taxes in. Right. Got it. I'm thinking through it as I'm talking about it. So (laughs) thank you for bearing with me. It's an interesting thing to, to process and think about because like, I don't have kids, but you know, obviously there's money that goes out of my taxes towards the school board and, or towards, you know, public education. And I am also not drawing on Social Security, but money goes out of my check for that. And, you know, to me, it's going to my grandparents that are on Social Security. So, you know, like I can make that correlation, but it's helpful to hear, you know, just the thought process of people that are there, because I know that uh, it's becoming a bigger conversation piece, we'll say. And I think just depending on how things go over the next few months, it could potentially become a much larger piece of conversation, especially Um, with the way that, you know, various um, responses to COVID and the rollbacks and things have gone. Do uh, Do you think that the current phase back plan, as far as students going back to school in person or online, is appropriate? Do you think it should be
1: adjusted in any way? So I think the current plan is a mess. Um, there are too many variables that were not accounted for. Uh, The number Mm -hmm. of kids that they're trying to get into the building, social distancing, realistic expectations on how these kids are going to behave were not considered. Uh, For instance, uh, teachers were provided with a bottle of cleaner that is ammonia-based, and that cleaner needs 15 minutes to dry on the surface to be effective Mm -hmm. and not harm a child who might touch it, and they might touch their face, And a teacher is supposed to spray every desk in the classroom and every other surface touched before the next student comes into the class. The students are not allowed to congregate in the hallways and when there's five minutes between classes, how is this all going to be accomplished? Um, There is also a severe lack of consistency. One school is fine with a teacher bringing in their own cleaners and another may not. Uh, Many teachers are quitting rather than their uh, them and their families' health. Uh, A a specific mandatory set of guidelines, policies, cleaners, and equipment should have been provided to every school with no exceptions so that every teacher and every parent can feel confident in the quality and the safety of the school environment.
0: Do you think that or have you seen any changes that are being made on a rolling basis? Because I know you know, at the beginning, everyone's just kind of scrambling to get anything possible into place and, and make things work. I have, you know, close friends that are teachers in the Virginia Beach School District. And I, you know, watch them try to navigate <laughs> that sudden sh- total shift. And it was very, very challenging. And I, yeah. I, you know, and, but there's been some time now over the summer to come up with a comprehensive plan for how things would be done. So do you feel like things have been improved over time as we've been learning things or is there a lot of room still for improvement?
1: There's still a lot of room for improvement. And I I think the analogy that works best in this situation is to say that they're trying to fly the plane as they build it. Mm. That's not a good position to be in because you don't want to watch it fail when it drops. Um,
0: Especially that, with
1: kids inside. Yeah, especially with our kids inside. And and it is very important that we get this right. That's why I've been, you know, I have not been happy about the way that they've chosen to go back. I don't think that, uh, you know, I get it that parents want to have their kids back in school, but we have to do it when it's in a safe way. There's no possible way that we... Uh, don't mess things up when we try and rush things. And there's so many logistical issues around this. I mean, they can have 22 kids per bus. That's half the number of kids. So we're not getting more buses. We're not getting more bus drivers. And they still have to get the same number of students to the school. It's just not, like the math doesn't work.
0: What are some things that you think will change coming into this next year? Because, uh, you know, there's concerns about a second wave, different things. So, you know, would you be looking to create that set, established set of guidelines or just hammer them out and then adjust them if things change? Or it it seems like a pretty fluid situation. It seems like it would be challenging to have that established set right off the bat.
1: So the the problem that, as I see it, is that you've got special ed students and you've got students that have IEPs, which are the individual education Mm -hmm. uh, programs, and they need very individualized uh, teaching. It's a social distancing thing already when you have small numbers. So I don't see it as being a huge issue to have those students return to school and keep them uh, in the schools and work with them as needed because you can focus, you can really focus on getting those students the best possible education.
0: And they are the ones most likely to be negatively affected by this because I I have friends with kids in those situations and they have been quite negatively affected in terms of their therapies or other things they would receive at school typically.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: And we don't always have the support system at home, you know, that they have built into some of our school opportunities to give the kids the resources they need, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, But any of our students that are performing well at school that are, you know, getting through it, so to speak and able to really accomplish what needs to happen, I think that it's best that we just let them stay at home and go through school as needed. I know that, uh, like my neighbor, his child is a senior this year, and they were really struggling with uh, having problems of uh, loneliness and uh, you know not having someone to talk to because there is no other child in the house right at the moment her brother's off at college and because of that what he's been doing is letting his daughter have friends that sleep over and get that social time together i mean for me my kids are all so close in age that it, it's okay for uh, them to be doing that and i've given them plenty of time to you know reach out and talk with their uh, friends and uh, you know, really try to get that interaction so that they have that uh, social interaction but i understand that there's a lot of you know students that aren't getting that and parents are worried about it and that rightfully so mm-hmm. but it's not a school problem it's a social problem and i don't think the school can be the one to say this is what's going to happen for your child that's that's an individual thing where you have to address that personally and say what is it that i'm willing to do for my child so that i can provide them the social interactions they need with their friends
0: it's an interesting question too i guess there's a few different things that come to mind as you were talking i mean one would be the scenario that we talked about earlier where you have both parents working and you know if you have an 8 year old that might be doing very well in school and you might both have work that coordinates around their school schedule you can't leave an eight-year-old home alone all day to do school by themselves you know so i think there's quite a bit of challenge for either single parents with younger children or families that don't have good access to internet you know that was an interesting thing that i was curious to hear your feedback on especially Uh, having a school that focuses on tech, you know, are there ways that we can engage maybe our students to help come up with some solutions for those that are tech challenged? So that would be, if we have time to get to that, that would be an interesting topic to go down. But while we're here, you know, I think there's some real challenges and I don't think personally that schools should be you know daycare that's not what I'm talking about but if parents have made arrangements they are paying taxes they're expecting this you know care to be there for their children and they need it so they can work to pay those taxes and contribute in and you know be have this public education so you know what what are parents in that situation supposed to do if their kids are not able to go back to school you know what and i don't know if that maybe that is a social Issue, But, you know, military families or other families that may not have family around, yeah. that's a real genuine challenge. What, what kind of things do you think the school board can do to help address that?
1: So I don't think the school board can help address that. But this is where we start going back to the benefits of where you work. And we need to have, you know, our businesses in this area need to start working with the parents to make this work for everyone. You know, it you can't push everything on the school board and say, You have to deal with this because I don't I don't have another way. But it's it is your home and it is your choice. And if you're gonna insist that you know we're doing daycare, where's that money coming from? You know, I I do agree, you know, it, it is a problem, but I think that a lot of businesses have stepped up to help provide you know a different working schedule Mm -hmm. i've got clients that you know sometimes they've got one parent that starts work eight in the morning they've got another parent that starts work at uh, five in the afternoon
0: right Mm -hmm. and
1: they're able to make that work between the two parents because they can coordinate and they can make sure that you know one person is constantly working with the student making sure that it happens and the businesses aren't losing the productivity they just have to shift how how it's how the work's being done
0: like i said i don't think school is meant to be daycare so i don't i'm not making that uh, yep. Correlation. I just think it's a a real challenge for people that you know may work in industries where that's not an option. I I work remotely, so you know it's not as big of a challenge for someone like me. Uh, but not everyone is in that same boat, you know. So there right. there are a lot of real challenges there, and you know I have friends that both have to work full time, and they're having to pay people to help educate their children, you know, which kind of brings us back to that school choice question where, you know, those are some people that are maybe advocating to say, if I'm still having to spend additional money and my kid isn't able to get the education that I feel like they need, then, you know, that is an interesting argument on the other side. So a lot of interesting, you know, things that come up with all of this. And I think the, the tricky thing is, and I hear it a lot, you know, on the, the working side, because, I obviously work full time. And so, and I work remotely and I've watched, and I did before COVID. I've watched a lot of people have to shift into that very quickly. And at the beginning it was like, this is temporary. So everyone will just figure out how to make it work. Cause you know, 15 days to slow the spread (laughs) way back when, you know, a hundred years ago when we were talking about that. And so it's like, I think when everyone thought oh this is temporary there was a lot more flexibility but people are having to try to think what if this you know goes through the end of the year goes into next year goes for two years what if this is how things are you know how do things change so what do you perceive I mean I'm not asking you to predict the future because obviously you can't do that right. but you know given the information that we have on hand right now if things remain status quo as far as I understand it there's a phased rollback for kids going back to school, right? Through uh, mid-October and, you know, different grades and different ages and things going back. So do you perceive that there will be a return to normalcy at some point in the near future? Or do you think we'll continue to have sort of a blended school option?
1: Well, so I, I think long-term, we have to be looking at blended as being a school option. Uh, if we want to really help a lot of families we, we we know that uh students taking school from home there are some that are actually improving because mm-hmm. they're not in the class they don't have the distractions they don't have all that it's something that we need to use that as a learning experience on how we can help in each individual student you know what works for the students and it goes back to the you know data analysis if you're able to take all the past data and say here's all the this student has all his grades up to a certain point where he was in school and then after that he was at home doing everything virtually did he improve did he get worse mm-hmm. did he improve in one class but not in another you know because then we could maybe give them the time to you know schedule all their virtual classes at the beginning of one semester and the next semester give them uh, all the classes that are going to be in school. It It's a way that we can still reduce the number of people that are in the building. We have to start looking at unique and uh, different ways of doing things. And I think it's an opportunity for us to really say, we've got a different plan that works for everyone. Mm. because. Any of those kids that are homeschooled could then be homeschooled for free through uh, the school system and then the parents not paying for that. I mean, we, we've got a long way to go in terms of <clears throat> where we're going to be able to make strides, um, but I think the data is going to be able to show us where you've got some students that are doing better in certain classes or in certain different learning environments based on, uh, what they're dealing with.
0: One of my, uh, nephews has a lot of, um, he's a, he's a high sensory kid, you know, and he struggles to sit still and do that kind of stuff. And so, you know, if he can have a, like a stretchy band tied to his seat and be kicking his legs under his seat and having that sensory input, you know, while he's, doing a a class or watching a video or something that's so much more effective. And I've been hearing from other families, you know, that they're really seeing improvements in kids that would maybe be more introverted or, you know, have more attention difficulties or things like that actually thrive in this setting. And it may be an even better setting for them. I've heard some interesting, you know, things in terms of, you know, military families, again, that may be three years of high school here and then transferred and you know their kid could potentially finish out their last year of high school remotely or semi-remotely with the kids that they know and not have to break those relationships or those kinds of things that if we could have a little bit of creativity or flexibility in our approach this may actually open up some totally new avenues that we hadn't considered before that are really effective and really positive like you said for you know families maybe that were homeschooling to you know draw some resources from the school system or vice versa you know there could be all kinds of um really interesting collaborations that come out as a result of this
1: yeah that's awesome we we have a lot of opportunity here and we shouldn't waste it
0: i totally agree so we're drawing to the end of our time and i want to ask what do you think is one thing that you wish every person knew or understood about the school board
1: I'm trying to think.
0: Or something that you think would help yeah. people be involved. You know, what, what do you think is the best way for people to be involved?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that we have to, a lot of decisions that are made by the school board that have lesser repercussions throughout the life of our kid and it will have lasting implications on the future um, with what we decided. Um, Look at the academies in Virginia Beach and you'll see endless opportunities for us to expand this region into a vibrant and diverse economy. Um, You know, if you're having trouble with the school board, call or email the school board. Let them know how you feel. Sign up to speak at the school board meetings. I've done that multiple times. Be vocal and be engaged. And uh, we will realize change. Uh, If you can't get the change that you want, you need to be the change and run, which is what I've done.
0: That's excellent. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, We can wrap things up here. Thank you so much to everybody that's been tuning in with us live on Facebook. Uh, This has been a really exciting and really informative first interview for uh, Smart Citizen. And again, so appreciate you coming on. How can uh, people find out more about your campaign, learn more about what you're doing?
1: So you can go to my website, uh, which you've got uh, listed on the screen here. Uh, I've got Twitter, I've got Facebook, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just search for my name and you will find all sorts of ele- relevant information about who I am, what I'm out there doing and uh, how how I can be reached. And I, I truly have a uh, arsenal of uh, tech tools to be able to get, you know, as far as email, uh, phone calls or Chat, Google Hangouts. I mean, I, I'm open to just however you communicate. Reach out to me, and I'll I'll work with you.
0: That's excellent. Well, I can attest to the fact that you're very responsive uh, to to email and connecting. I really appreciated that, and I'm you know I feel like. You brought up some really interesting points and have a compelling background. I noticed you share quite a bit on social media. So I think if people want to learn more about uh, some of the other topics that we didn't get to, I know you've done quite a few interviews and and share quite a lot on your social media. So I think people can um, find out quite a bit more about what you do there. Quick reminder for everyone, don't forget to register to vote by October 13th. It's just, I believe, a week and we want to make sure that even if you don't think you want to vote now, if you get to election day and change your mind, we want you to have the opportunity. So just, just go do it. Just get that taken care of. It takes 30 seconds online. So uh, don't forget that. And then lastly, feel free to follow Smart Citizen on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Smart Citizen USA. You can find us everywhere. Like our page, subscribe, and uh, leave us a comment with your thoughts on our interview today. Any other questions that you have for uh, Paul. And he'll, you know, hopefully we can jump in and answer any any questions that we missed today. So thank you so much, Matthias Paul Telkamp for jumping on candidate for Virginia Beach School Board. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Have a great night.
1: Thank you.